This is The Wrap, episode 49. The Wrap is your weekly guide to what's been happening in the cinematic universe. Today is Friday, September 27, 2013, and I'm your host, TJ. Well, last weekend, Prisoners broke out of those box office chains, and it made number one on the uh, box office list, although it did not get anywhere near making its money back, much less, of course, uh, making any money. A film needs to get way over its production budget in order to make any money. It brought in $20.8 million over the weekend, and uh, the budget was $46 million, so it has quite a ways to go. And even though I enjoyed the film, it doesn't seem like the type of film that people would want to go see again so I'm I'm a little uh, I'm I'm not convinced that uh, it's going to get up and and make any money, but uh, we'll see how that goes. It was a pretty decent film, uh, even if it was a little bit tense. Um, and you know it's it's not an action film; it's a little bit slow moving, but uh, very much of a thriller. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, I had a few minor problems with it. Uh, Joe and I I had Joe back on the Movie Bite podcast this week, and we talked about it uh, yesterday. In fact. Uh, and it just posted it this morning, actually, on uh, the site. So you'll want to check that out. Uh, we had a lot of good uh, conversation about that and other things. So number one at the box office was Prisoners. Number two was Insidious Chapter 2. And this is where I will probably get a little flack from people like Mike Fizzle, uh, who say that I shouldn't offer so much of an opinion on this film. But I will just say that uh, I don't understand this the the, the draw to this film. Uh, it just doesn't look any good to me. And yet I know that people that I like and respect like the film, so I'll try not to be too judgmental. But it was number two. Uh, budget of $5 million. It made $13.8 million over the weekend. It is now up to $64.7 million worldwide, weekend number two. So quite the moneymaker. Uh, number three was The Family. Starring Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, it had a budget of $30 million, and uh, it has now made $25.6 million. So getting close to that production budget on weekend number two. Uh, but, uh, you know, this film looks like it could be entertaining, and it looks like it could be fun, but I suspect that it's probably just very foul. Uh, it's it's one of those R-rated comedies, so I'm not expecting that I would like it, although I kind of want to see it, but I just I, I have this nagging feeling that it's not going to be any good. Number four, for its fourth weekend, instructions not included. It keeps climbing up that box office chart. We still don't know what the budget is for this film, but it has grossed now $33.9 million. Number five, Battle of the Year. Weekend number one, it made $4.6 million over the weekend on its first weekend. It had a budget of $20 million. And, you know, aside from looking completely uninteresting to me, uh, it being a dance movie, uh, the film stars, among others, Chris Brown. Uh, you know, yes, that Chris Brown, the girlfriend beating uh, scum of the earth, uh, Chris Brown, the one that beat up Rihanna. So I'm not going to be seeing this film. I'm going to be boycotting this film. Uh, will not support Chris Brown and will not support that in any way. And cannot stand guys who beat up their girlfriends, obviously. Number six, We're the Millers. Uh, budget of $37 million. It is now up to $222.6 million worldwide. Weekend number seven. Uh, brought in $4.5 million over the weekend. So that's just crazy and looks like a terrible film to me. Number seven, Lee Daniels, The Butler. It is now up to $109.6 million total for weekend number six. Brought in $4.1 million over the weekend. Uh, and that's quite actually that's quite a fall from last week's fourth place. But uh, the films had a good run at 109 million on a budget of 30 million. Number eight, Riddick. Uh, this film's falling fast, uh, obviously, and it was in third place last weekend. So this, uh, the, or the weekend before, I should say, since I'm reporting this as we're heading into a new weekend. So that was number eight on a budget of 38 million. It's now up to 74 million worldwide. So uh, not not a terrible haul. 
Uh, interestingly, uh, I, I usually only report the top eight, but The Wizard of Oz got an IMAX remastering and re, uh, 3D release, and it made it to number nine at the box office. So quite a feat for such an old film. So that's your box office report. Now, let's move on to a little bit of news from the past week. Uh, WikiLeaks is not a fan of the Fifth Estate, and in uh, as you would expect from WikiLeaks, they leaked the script, uh, what they call a mature version of the script, uh, of the screenplay, uh, to Bill Condon's uh, Julian Assange film, The Fifth Estate. Uh, the script was posted uh, Friday after the film's uh, world premiere <clears throat> uh, in Toronto. It's kind of a bummer to hear, though. They they talk about the fact that it it's uh, completely inaccurate, and they call it a uh, fiction masquerading as fact, and noting that uh, most of the events depicted never happened, or the feet or the people uh, shown were not involved in the film. So that's kind of a bummer. I was kind of looking forward to the film, and I'll probably still be seeing it, but um, and then hoping still that it might still have a good message uh, in this uh, day and age of government conspiracy and, and spying and, and things. So. Uh, let's talk about Peter Mayhew and uh, Star Wars. Uh, Peter Mayhew has, of course, played a Chewbacca over the years, and he's getting on up in, in years, and being quite the big man that he is, he's having some health problems, and he's had to have some surgery, and he's actually recovering from the surgery. Uh, he And this article says uh, Mayhew isn't in the best of health right now. Complications arising from his gigantism, gigantism? however you say that word, lead to him being unable to stand up straight or walk unassisted. But he's undergone surgery on his knees and legs, and when the whole healing process has been completed, the doctors say that he should be able to walk again. Uh, there's been rumors about recasting the role of Chewbacca, but he says, I intend to pursue the role of Chewbacca for Episode Seven. Uh, and so if he wants the role, I think he should be able to play the role, and hopefully he will be able to. So that's the bit of news there. Atlas Shrugged Part 3 is going for the Kickstarter campaign to help offset the production costs. Uh, though they're not trying to raise the entire production budget, uh, they do just want to offset those costs. So for the first time, the filmmakers behind Atlas Shrugged Movie Trilogy will raise production and marketing money through a Kickstarter, crowd, Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign. The campaign is scheduled to kick off Monday and is designed to raise $250 million of the film's $10 million, uh, $250,000 of the film's $10 million budget. Filmmakers also said Monday that the movie has been officially titled Atlas Shrugged, Who is John Galt? You know, I really just don't care anymore who John Galt is, despite the fact that I have strong libertarian leanings uh, and would agree with some of the principles of Ayn Rand. Uh, at the same time, these these films seem to be made without an ounce of respect for the for filmmaking. They don't seem to be made for the artisticness of making films or any any such thing. They seem to be made simply out of political uh, motivations, and that just doesn't isn't interesting to me at all. Uh, and, you know, the first film was not great. The second film was arguably a little better, but still just not hmm, – I'm, I'm, it's not up to scratch, and I'm just not that interested in Atlas Shrugged Part 3, and I just don't care who John Galt is anymore. Uh, and the whole thing seems very manufactured. So that's the deal. Anyway, they're doing a Kickstarter campaign. Go donate if you want, I guess, whatever. Link is in the show notes. Superman Kills is a linked list item that I posted uh, on Wednesday, and uh, so this is according to Kevin Jagernoth over at the playlist. One of the most controversial points of the already uneven Man of Steel this past summer was the decision, spoiler alert, to have Superman kill General Zod. 
Christopher Nolan wasn't initially a fan of taking it in that direction. Earlier drafts had Zod sent to the Phantom Zone. While comics writer Mark Wade of Superman Birthright fame was nothing short of enraged by what he saw in the theaters, but speaking at the BATFA and BFI screenwriters lecture last night, writer David S. Goyer defended his choice to put blood on the hands of Clark Kent. This is one area, and I've written comic books as well, and this is where I disagree with some of my fellow comic book writer, writers. Superman doesn't kill. It's a rule that exists outside of the narrative, and I just don't believe in rules like that. I believe when you're writing film or television, you can't rely on a crutch or rule that exists outside of the narrative of the film, he explained. So the situation was, Zod says, I'm not going to stop him until you kill me or I kill you. The reality is no prison on the planet could hold him, and in our film, Superman can't fly to the moon, and we didn't want to come up with that crutch. Here's the thing, uh, for, as far as I'm concerned, the film enraged me uh, in a lot of ways, but not for this reason. I, I had no problem with Superman killing Zod. In fact, I felt that was the logical outcome, and it did not bother me at all that Superman was killing such an evil man who was harming others and, and bringing harm. In fact, if he had done it earlier in the film, it could have saved a lot of harm to other people. So that, that doesn't bother me at all. It seems like a controversy, as was mentioned in the comments. But uh, there are people who are quite upset over this, and it just—I think it's a good thing. Like, and and and, and the whole uh, point about that rule existing outside of the narrative is so totally right. Like the 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 rule is externally imply, uh, um, applied to Superman in other incarnations of Superman. The Superman doesn't kill. Therefore, sometimes they have to manufacture circumstances under which. You know, Superman is able to not kill, and that just bothers me. And I had no problem with Superman killing Zod. He was an evil, uh, evil person that needed to be stopped. Entertainment Geekly on Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, Darren Frenich on Entertainment Weekly. Four months ago, Star Trek Into Darkness hit theaters. By any objective concrete metric, it was a perfectly respectable Hollywood product. The critics generally liked it. It cost around $200 million and made $465 million worldwide, a financial showing that is neither impressive nor unimpressive. It wasn't Man of Steel, but it also wasn't The Lone Ranger. It had some funny jokes, and it had things exploding in interesting ways. The title was dumb, and it had third-act problems, and nobody can really explain why they kept the con secret, the con reveal a secret. But if you asked the average person in mid-June what they thought about Into Darkness, opinions would have been neutral to positive. But resentment can slowly build on the geekosphere, and when the resentment boils over, a movie's whole reputation can radically change. That last month, the annual Star Trek convention in Las Vegas declared Star Trek Into Darkness the worst film in the franchise. It's it's incredible to me that such a great film, and I have my problems with the film, as I've detailed even on the Movie Byte podcast, and I think I've mentioned it here on The Wrap as well, uh, although I don't get into details usually on this podcast, but I, I think that Star Trek Into Darkness was a pretty doggone good Trek film, and it just irks me that so many Trekkies are taking – uh, a dislike to this film and and being you, you know it's like they don't even know what's good for them and the film is doing well amongst the non trekkies and and this film did a lot of things right um the other thing that's interesting to me is uh it's funny how I can agree with the outcome and the conclusion of this article and so not agree with many of the things that Darren said in the uh entertainment geekly article uh and he had such a a backhanded way of complimenting the film sometimes that just was is irksome to me. Uh, but I agreed with the conclusion, and the article is worth a read. And and it's just it's just frustrating to be dealing with these Star Trek fans sometimes, even though I consider myself a Star Trek fan. So anyway, uh, check out the article linked up in the show notes.
On Thursday, I, I finally had a chance to watch the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premiere a day late because I catch it on Hulu the day – and Hulu uh, content is not available till the day after. Watched the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premiere on Wednesday, wrote about it on Thursday, and posted it on Movie Byte. Uh, bottom line is this. You should read my article, but the bottom line is it's a great show by Joss Whedon, who's made a lot of other great shows, uh, You know, kind of in nerd heaven watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I suppose I, – I don't think I mentioned this in my article. I suppose the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feels a little bit uh, like a bigger – uh, franchise-controlled thing, and yet it definitely has Joss Whedon's stamp on it, uh, and uh, that's a good thing. Uh, lot, lots of uh, uh, lots of Joss Whedonisms in there. Uh, I, I, one thing that I mentioned in my article that I mentioned here, it, I, I kind of like this. What I came up with, you know, there's the the common phrase of jumping the shark. Well, I feel like Joss Whedon's shows often dance tap dance on the nose of that dreaded shark, uh, where most TV shows would simply sail right over it. Uh, and that's that's a good place to be. I mean, Joss Whedon does it well, uh, and he knows how not to take the show seriously and how to and when it needs to be serious. So these are good things, and uh, I really liked it. And I'm looking forward to the next uh, episode of Agents of Shield. Speaking of Joss Whedon, he wants to create new content again, according to Kevin Geary Gudry. I don't know how you say these names sometimes. Oh my goodness! So according to Ken, I'll just say Ken over at the playlist. Uh, he asked Joss, post-Avengers, can you probably pick the next property that you want to play with? What, what What's one you've always wanted to do? And he says, "That's prob- there's probably a dozen. It's very important I don't do that. It's very important that we start creating new content again. We can, we can only build on nostalgia so much before we have nothing left to build on. Before we're rebooting Spider-Man again, it's dangerous to the culture and it's boring to me. I squeezed in in between my Avengers movies a 400-year-old play, so I really need to create some new worlds. And to that I say makers make things, and Joss Whedon is a maker and he wants to make things, and I wholeheartedly agree that we can't keep going on this nostalgia, um, th- this culture that's infected Hollywood. And so I'm looking forward to see what Joss creates. With that being said, I don't see Marvel really letting him go because he's very lucrative for Marvel right now. So I just don't see – I don't know. I don't see how he's going to pull that one off. But we'll see. And and if he, if he can get out there and create some new content, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to seeing what that is. So before I sign off, let's find out what you might want to see this weekend. New films this weekend are Baggage Claim, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Don John, and Rush. Um, of course, Baggage Claim is the uh, the new film uh, starring uh, Paula Patton, uh, and there's some other names in there that uh, one the only one that I recognize, Tay Diggs. There's also Jill Scott, Derek Luke, and uh, I don't even know how to say that one, Jimon Hounso, uh, directed by David Talbert. This film is not being reviewed positively at all. It's only got a nine percent approval rating among critics, uh, and I don't know much about the film other than that. It doesn't look like that great of a film, though. Uh, so probably probably wait and see on that, see if any of the audience actually likes it, because the critics certainly aren't liking it. Cloudy, the chance of meatballs too, just looks silly. Uh, it, it you know it doesn't look like they, I, I don't know. You know I, I really like Pixar films, so it's not that I'm against animated films that tend to have a spin towards kids, and but yet this film just looks utterly ridiculous. Uh, I didn't see the first one because it looks so bad, and I don't see seeing this one. But if you're that sort of thing, I mean, I'm not going to judge you or anything. It's not that big of a deal, and I, I might go see it. We'll see. Uh, John, Don John, uh, rated R, um, and I want you to be warned that I understand that this film features strong graphic nudity and sexual material, uh, which, of course, is sort of ironic for what it's dealing with. It's dealing with pornography. Uh, it's sort of expected, I suppose, since it is dealing with pornography and uh 
you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's his first uh, directorial debut. And to some extent, I mean, it looks somewhat intriguing of a story. If there was a way they could tell it without featuring the graphic sexual nudity, I think it would be better. But um, it's it's rated R for strong graphic sexual material and dialogue throughout and nudity. So I'm, I'm afraid I can't see it. And I can't recommend it based upon that. Uh, there is no denying, of course, that this availability of of the graphic sexual material uh, in in, pro- in in porn has had a, a very de- deleterious effect on our culture, and ostensibly this film does aim to deal with that. But it looks to me like they're just more capitalizing on it. Rush is the film that I'm planning on seeing this weekend. It is rated R, but of the choices available, I think it's definitely the film I want to see, and it's the one we'll be talking about on the Movie Byte podcast next week. Um, I'm really not interested in the subject matter. It's about race cars and stuff, but um, it does look like it could have a good story there to tell. And that, and, and I've certainly been surprised by sports films, for instance, because I'm not really into sports, and yet sometimes they have good dramatic stories to tell. So I think maybe there's something there. It is two hours and three minutes, so it's pushing the boundaries of what I consider to be usually the correct link for a movie. Um, and it is rated R, uh, but it stars Chris Hemsworth, uh, Daniel Bruhl, and Olivia Wilde. Uh, director uh, Ron Howard. So uh, that may be something that uh, we'll check out. I'm, I'm certainly going to see it. Maybe something you want to check out. Still in theaters is Prisoners, The Family, We're the Millers, Lee Daniels, The Butler, Riddick, Plains, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, and Elysium. For more on how I feel about those films, whether or not I think they're any good, whether you might want to see them, be sure to check out my article linked up in the show notes. That's all I've got for you this week. Uh, it's been a kind of a slump. Uh, we've been in kind of a slump at the uh, box office, but hopefully that's about to turn around and pick up, uh, especially with four new films this weekend. But if you uh, want to view the show notes for this episode, you can find those at moviebyte.com slash the wrap slash 49, because this is episode 49 of the wrap. If you want to keep up with me, you can do that on Twitter. I am uh, TJ Draper Pro over there. Of course, I write every day at moviebyte.com, so you can keep up with me on moviebyte. And uh, you can you can uh, like Movie Byte on Facebook if you want to keep up with uh, everything Movie Byte over there on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Movie Byte. You can keep up with Movie Byte on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Movie Byte. And, of course, visit MovieByte.com for the latest and greatest in the articles and the reviews and the podcasts and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, that's it. That's all I've got for you this week. I hope you have a fantastic weekend at the cinema.